Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Okay. Um, another reason I decided to go with this this microphone today was because there's just two of us, and I've been having some problems with my my cords for the microphones. Right. And uh, on my last one I did a while back, it was it was pretty bad. Like the. So, All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, talk. All right. Yeah, we'll just we'll do it like this. I think it's gonna be fine. All right. Cool. Um, but. So, so my idea for doing the podcast this year is going to be, I'm going to still do some stories. Like, there's still some people I want to get to kind of, kind of go right. the whole, like, what you started listening to when you were a kid. Right. All the way up. All the way up. Today. Um, but I want to do a lot more, like, just kind of shorter episodes that are, maybe some people I've had on before. But right. But we just kind of talk about what you're doing now, and then just whatever randomly comes up. Right. So, we'll, we'll give that a shot today. All right. Um, whoops. First one I've done in a while. And I might want to turn this down a little bit. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to watch my levels. First okay. one I've done in a while, just because last year was so so busy for me. Um, the booth for the main thing. I mean, that just ate a lot of my time. <laughs> yeah. But then when I got the kittens, and then uh, <laughs> during that same time, the, the the kittens came along. I was sort of dating somebody for a little while, and it just one thing led to another. And all of a sudden, last fall, I'm like, man, I've not done that many podcasts this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I did one last like November with a buddy of mine, uh, poet. Put that one out, and then I haven't touched it since then. So yeah, I really want to get it rolling again this year. Maybe cool. doing some things like this will make it a little easier. Um, but I, I've got Luke Edwards with me here today. I came over here to do some wheeling and dealing with him, and I'm like, "Hey, Luke, since I'm coming over, um, how about we record a podcast so I can get something out there?" Because I got somebody lined up for next week to record one of those more more of the kind of a story episode where we talk about his journey. But this week I was like, "Let's get together and see what we can come up with, and kind of catch up with what Killed by Death is doing, and anything else you might be working on. I don't know." Yeah. You know, if killed by death is pretty much your, your main main thing at the moment. Or- right now, you know, I mean, just be- I, I don't really have much else going on right now. And, um, yeah, I need to get back to working out some stuff for, uh, you know, just doing like some solo shows and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. you know, with the more, you know, kind of alt-country, bluegrass, outlaw country type stuff. I still enjoy doing that stuff. Yeah. I just, I just kind of got away from it while we were doing the, you know, the motorhead thing. And, um you know, and then I, I need to work up, I, I want to go through and work up a whole new set list, you know, a, you know, a bunch of new songs, because I feel like I've flogged a lot of those to death, you know, everybody that's ever come <laughs> to see me has heard a lot of the same stuff. From, you from know. your solo, the Yeah, you know, I mean, it, lines, it, yeah. you know, work up some different stuff that I've written, you know, as far as the uh, you know original stuff, and then pick a bunch of other cool covers, you know, and remakes and stuff. You know, I'm but you know what you're going to find when you go out and play People are going to hear all that stuff that you play. You're oh, like, exactly. I try to yeah. play a bunch of new stuff for you. They're going to be like, what about this song or that song? You're probably right. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I'll try to keep some of that stuff brushed up. I mean, 
things are getting better for me vocally. I had some problems, man, with my um, voice uh, several years ago. We um, did that street performing in Gatlinburg, you know, like yeah, that, yeah, that, that Toots and Tales thing, and went around, you know, basically singing without a PA to a bunch of tourists, you know, every night during mm-hmm. the week for the summer. And ended up, man, I just ended up stressing my voice out and just trashing my voice, basically. Yeah, it, yeah. it took me, honestly, it's taken me a couple of years just to get back to where I am. There for a little while, I was just wondering if I was even going to be able to sing again. It had gotten so bad. Yeah, yeah. And there are still parts of my voice that aren't cooperating and that I may never get back. I actually went to the doctor since the last time I talked to you because, uh, well, my wife, Amanda, she uh, kind of got me to do the whole overhaul thing. She's like, all right, you just need to get, you know, you need to get an overhaul. You haven't been to the doctor that's, in forever. That's what I mean. You know, you're, you're, I don't have anybody pushing me to do it. But right, I really we're need to do we're it. at that age, you know, so uh, uh, she's like, you need to go get the overhaul and you need to get everything that's wrong figured out, you know, and stuff like that, which I haven't been able to afford to get everything that's wrong that's, figured that's out That's one yet. of the reasons why I haven't gotten my overhaul done is because I'm like, I don't yeah, know if I can it, afford to get all the stuff done. I can't afford to be really healthy, man. But you I, know, I can't I mean, really afford to die either. So right, exactly. So you got to walk that line. So, um, but, you know, I'm still waiting to like, you know, finish getting my eye fixed. You know, I mean, I can see out of you know, the eye I had to have surgery on back in 2018, yeah, the yeah. right eye. It's still foggy and everything. And eventually I'll get it fixed. But right now I'm getting by, you know, so there's stuff that I kind of back burner. But uh, I, I did go to the ears, nose and throat doctor, you know, and had them run the scope up my nose and all that stuff and mm-hmm. look at my throat. And I was thinking, well, maybe they'll find like, you know, some polyps or some nodes or something that they could go in there and, you know share them off or something. They, and, and they went down there and they looked at everything. And they said, nah, you're clean. You know, yeah. they, you got no, you know, nodes, no polyps, no nothing. They said, what you've got is vocal cord scarring. Hmm. They said from years and years of hard use, yeah. you know, from just singing rock and roll for, you know, over half my life and um, yelling and hollering and mm-hmm. screaming and all that stuff. You know, they said, what happens? They said, hard use like that of your vocal cords, you get micro tears in your vocal cords. Mm -hmm. They said, well, when those micro tears heal up, it's scar tissue. And once you get so much scar tissue, it reduces the pliability of your vocal cords. And so she said, you know, basically you're the thing that what you got is what you've got. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, there's nothing that we can do about it to help you. Well, it explains why, you know, so many singers, I mean, just beyond just getting old, the, the, the older they get, the raspier their voices get. And, the raspier, and then, you know, and it, it explained to me a lot why a lot of, you know, vocalists, you hear them later on in their career, and it's like they almost sing completely different than they yeah. did earlier in their career. Like even, even people with, you know, that still have, good voices like Getty Lee and mm. stuff. You know, his enunciation and everything changed later on in Rush. Yeah, I think after a while, then, part, part of it is it just automatically changes when something like that happens. You good. start working around. Then you start working around. Exactly. Too, yeah. You start working around your problem areas and figuring out how you can get around, you know. So that's the, the point where I am vocally is, you know, and one reason I'm wanting to restructure my set list and everything is because I've got to figure out what works for me and mm. what, you know, what sounds good for me to play out live you know and stuff like that and um 
you know, it's time to go through and revamp the set and kind of figure some stuff out. And, you know, it's one of those things I'm not shying away from talking about it because I think that so many vocalists do deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be to say that, you know, hey, my voice ain't what it used to be. You know, what's well, not? You know, I mean, but my back's not what it used to be. My knees aren't yeah. what they used to be. I mean, you know, <laughs> exactly. it stands to reason my voice is, you know, it's been used harder or equally as hard as everything else. So mm-hmm. stands to reason that it would suffer some, you know, some damage and everything too. So well, uh, I guess that works pretty well with doing like a motorhead tribute. <laughs> it was a deciding factor, honestly, in doing the motorhead thing because my Lemmy voice, man, it's like people are like, God, you know, God, are you not going to blow your voice out doing that? You know, well, the Lemmy thing for me, the way I sing that stuff, it's not like I'm tightening up and mm. forcing it or everything. It, it feels like my vo- vocal cords go loose and just kind of flap, yeah. you know. I, <laughs> so is, it's yoga for my yeah, vocal cords. Like, <laughs> It's not something that I'm stressing my voice. And if anything, believe it or not, doing the motorhead thing seems to be helping other areas of my other voice. You know, it seems to be loosening up areas and getting some of the, you know, the motion back in my vocal cords and everything. So the motorhead thing is not messing me up. If anything, it seems to be helping. And then... Honestly, man, with the Lemmy stuff, nobody notices if there's a little bit of a, you know, a yeah. rough spot. You know, your whole voice is a rough spot when you're doing, you know, most right. so. I think that it seems like the hardest part for me would be the doing the Lemmy voice between songs. Because I, I noticed that you do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, and I would like to learn how to do. Uh, Lemmy's got a weird accent, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, if that, that Stoke on Trent, you know, whatever area that he was from has their own particular, you know, kind of British accent. Said. And I, I wish I could do it better and everything, you know, just, you know, because he kind of talks like this between, you know, yeah. he gets that, you know, that real kind of almost whisper rasp, you know, going, you know. You do a good job of getting pretty close to it. Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's I, good, I, good enough for a, for, a, for a cover show, I guess. Yeah, man, you know, I mean, the, the whole thing with the Motorhead thing is... And uh, really, until I, I mean, I've always loved Motorhead, and that's what kind of got me to want to do this, is um, no, nobody else was doing it, yeah, yeah. you know, and everything. And well, Everybody um, loved Motorhead, too. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, it, it, yeah, Motorhead, like, crosses all the lines, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it goes over, you know, so it spills over to so many different um, fan types and yeah, everything, yeah. you know. But um, until you really get into it and really immerse yourself in Motorhead, I don't think anybody really realizes how fanatical their fans are, man. I mean, it's just, it's it's next level, like, mm-hmm. fan stuff, you know, with motor. I mean, and especially over in Europe, yeah. you know. I mean, they're just hardcore. And then you've got these people that, they're not only Motorhead fans, they're like authorities on Motorhead. Oh, yeah. And they'll, you know, even point stuff out like, you know, oh, well, you know, on your... Out to lose, out to lunch base. You don't have the cooker knobs on it. You really need to, you know. And it's like I know, you know. It's like, uh, but they they get real particular, fanatical. So you can't just do like a half-ass Motorhead tribute. You know, you've got to you got to immerse yourself in that stuff, and you got mm-hmm. to really get it right. Yeah. You know, uh, and then plus, I think Motorhead is one of those bands that kind of demands that kind of respect too. That you don't go into something half-heartedly and say you're a Motorhead tribute. Yeah, you know, if you're going to be a Motorhead tribute, you got to be a Motorhead tribute, and that's one thing. I don't think any of us, you know, you know, the guys, Brett that's playing drums and Kent that's playing guitar, you know, we're all, you know, over fifty. 
I don't think we really thought about all that when we thought about the volume of gear oh, that yeah, we were going to yeah. have to lug around to do a motorhead tree. Especially with those cabs you got. You had those built, didn't you? The, the yeah. 415, Yeah, I built one of them and then modified another cabinet to uh, be the other 450. I got two complete Lemmy stacks now, yeah. you know, and... Um, but the thing is, you know, I mean, so many of these bands now, they're transitioning over to clean stages and they're going to like the modeling stuff, like the Helix yeah. systems and yeah. stuff like that for their guitars, which sound great. And, you know, I can totally understand why bands are going through that so they don't have to haul around a half stack and all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff, you know. And, um, but when you do a Motorhead tribute, you, that's not an option. <laughs> they, you know, the, the amps are as famous as the musicians. You couldn't be up there standing in front of those little amps. No, and I can't put up a backdrop of Murder One <laughs> yeah. and go, there it is. You know, I mean, people are going to go, yeah, right. The, the amps are, in this situation are as famous as the musicians. Mm. So people are coming to see Murder One or they're coming to see Hammer or they're, co- you know, they, they want to see Motorhead, you yeah, know, yeah. so they, they want to see, they want the stage to look like it. They want it to, you know, so that was kind of our goal with the whole kill by death thing was to get it knowing that we're working on a club level, not mm-hmm. an arena level, you know, but to get it as close as we could to a motorhead show, yeah, you know, yeah. because you, I mean, you, it, let's face it, you can't go see a motorhead show anymore, That's you true, know, yeah. and that was one of my things with tribute bands is I've never really wanted, I never wanted to start a tribute band or do a tribute band of a band that, you know, people could still go see. So um, the motorhead thing worked out good because people are never going to get to see a motorhead yeah. show. All that they're going to have is the tribute bands out there, which there are quite a few of them, and yeah. there's some really good tribute bands, especially uh, you know, it playing in Europe and stuff. There's some really good ones. And then we have to remind ourselves, too, that, you know, people go, oh, man, tribute bands, yeah, tribute bands do well, man. They make a lot of money and all that stuff. Well, yeah, if you're, you know, maybe a, the Eagles, uh, you or, know, Eagles <laughs> or Fleetwood Mac yeah. or something like that that can get all the, you know, corporate functions and town festivals mm. and stuff like that. But let's face it, man. You know, you're not going to be a Motorhead tribute band playing it live after five, yeah. you know, singing Jailbait. You know, I mean, it's not going to happen. So you got to keep in mind that um, your bookings are going to be kind of limited, you know, because, I mean, I'm, 75% of your audience is a bunch of guys in the battle vests yeah, out yeah. there. You know, it's not, it's not, a, you know, you're not drawing, you're not bringing in the chicks, you yeah, know. So I mean, you can go to the metal clubs. Right, exactly. It's going to be more of a metal club show, uh, you know, uh, biker rallies, stuff like yeah. that, you know, things like that. How it's, many shows have you played so far? Three so far. Three, man. Yeah. We did, and honestly, we probably weren't even really ready to do those. But. <laughs> I know the first one was like a private. Yeah, yeah, and that was actually probably the best one we've done. Yeah, honestly, one down in South Carolina. Yeah, I, 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 then we did Tribbles and we did Amos's, yeah. you know. But um, I, we just felt like we needed to do some live stuff to figure, basically, to figure out what the what we were going to have to overcome live yeah. doing this, yeah. because with the Motorhead thing, volume is such a huge part of it. There's no way you can do this quiet. You can't get the sound quiet. You can't, you know, it's not like, you know, the club owner, you you guys turn down a little bit. They can't hear at the bar. You know, I mean, that's, you know, if you, if you're not ready for it, then don't book a motorhead tribute because it's going to be freaking loud. You know, I mean, that's the only way that it sounds like motorhead. It's got to be loud. And so we knew there were going to be certain obstacles to overcome with that, you know, like, okay, what are we going to need to do to get 
the vocals up to where you can at least kind of hear them over yeah. the music, you know, because that was even a problem that Motorhead yeah. struggled with, oh, yeah. is yeah. you could never really hear the vocals, you know, and, um, you know, they struggled with vocal feedback and all that stuff. You can watch any of the live videos and kind of see them mm-hmm. having those same problems that the instruments were just so loud. And so we knew we needed to figure that out. We needed to figure out, okay, what, you know, as far as monitors and stuff, as far as me being able to hear Kent and know where we are in the songs yeah, yeah, and all that, you know, what are we, what are we going to run into doing this? So that was kind of one of the reasons that we went ahead and did a few shows, even though we may not have been, you know, ready a hundred percent to do yeah, yeah. You get the songs, it's, but maybe getting the whole right to get the, the you know, and even together. the songs, you know, I, I, there was a lot of stuff that probably, you know, I, we knew where the rough spots were, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you play it loud. A lot of people don't. Yeah. And that's the thing is with motorhead, you know, most people know about four motorhead. They'll go, Oh yeah, I love motorhead, but they only know like four motorhead yeah. songs, you know, <laughs> really. And then every, you know, every other song that you're playing is for the hardcore motorhead mm-hmm. fans that really know the motorhead, you know, it's not like a whole lot of people knew if we sang a verse in the wrong place or if we did something twice as long as we were supposed yeah. to or something like that, you know. So, um, but it, we knew that doing a couple of live shows was going to help us a lot in what we needed to work on in the rehearsal room to get ready for future shows. So that's where we're at now. We know a whole lot more what we've got to do to get it ready. And we're getting back to practicing and actually starting to, you know, really get a try to get a cohesive show yeah and we're trying to get some show options too, like learn the stuff to where if we said okay well we've only got you know an hour on this show or whatever mm. you know to play you know we can't play all night we only got an hour so we're gonna do the whole uh no sleep to hammersmith album yeah. cover to cover yeah. you know things like that so we're trying to work up some stuff like that and then with uh killed by death there's there's even a little bit of aspiration eventually to be a little bit more than just a tribute band. What we're wanting to do, once we kind of get immersed in the style and get to where we're used to playing in the style of Motorhead and get to where that's kind of second nature to play like that, yeah. you know, then what we're wanting to do is go, okay, well, let's write the next Motorhead yeah. album. <laughs> you know, the one that, you know, what if they had kept going, yeah, yeah. what do we feel like would have been some of the next stuff they would have written? <laughs> and write an album of original Kill by Death material yeah, that'd be cool. that sounds like, you know, unashamedly. I'm not sure how to be received by some people. But I, and, it'd be and, pretty cool. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, some man, people would be like, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they will. But, you know, I figured that there's not getting any motor. You're not going to yeah, get any yeah. more motor. I mean, why not? Why, why not do it? There's other bands. Out there that, that are hugely inspired by motorhead. Exactly, so, and, and if nothing else, just for the personal challenge of trying to write some stuff yeah. like that, you know. And I think it'll be fun. And you know, I'm not saying that you know that we want to be the next Motorhead. I would just like to be able to do something after we've you know really studied the style to be able to put something out there that Motorhead fans might go, "Wow, you know, that's really good. I like it." Just you know, just see what we can do. Like I said, just the challenge of doing it, and um, just to um, be able to create something that hadn't been there before. And then we we got this idea too of um, uh, eventually at each show picking a song that Motorhead never covered. Oh yeah, but covering it in a Motorhead, Motorhead style, style yeah. you know. <laughs> and so you know, because you know, we run into songs like you know. Uh, that a lot of times we go, oh, you could do a really cool Motorhead version of that, yeah, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> so, um, you know, and that might be something, you know, something to make it to where when people come to shows, 
it won't always just be the same thing, you know, because yeah. I mean, you know, you're going to have to play a lot of the same songs every time. Because, like I said, there's only a few that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. You're going to be doing Ace of Spades. You're going to be doing um, Iron Fist. You're going to yeah. be doing Killed by Death. You're going to be doing We Are the Road Crew. You know, there's some of these songs, yeah. you know, that um, that even the casual Motorhead fans know. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and then some of the newer stuff like you know Hellraiser and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know that, that, that you know that um, people got into it through you know movies mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. It's like you know we're sitting there going, do we really have to learn the game? Though I hate that <laughs> yeah. song. You know? I mean, I know the wrestling fans want to hear it, but God, it's such a lame song, man. You know, I probably as a song, yeah, probably yeah. we're worried about learning that. One yeah, so you know, it's like, do we have to learn the game? But we're trying to do some stuff to keep it interesting and to make it a little bit different from the other tribute bands, mm-hmm. you know. And and um, and then you know we're doing this because we enjoy doing it. I mean, it's never going to be a big, huge money maker. I mean, even Motorhead didn't make any money. Yeah. You know? So how do we expect to make any as a tribute band? It's not you know. It's it's like you know you got to shoot to get to you know a certain level just to pay the expenses on this because. Honestly, man, we got to have help on loading and unloading this gear. We got to have some younger guys with better bikes yeah, yeah. that can help us move some of this stuff because we've still got to play the show after we unload. And just, mm-hmm. honestly, some of this stuff, by the time we unloaded it and got it on the stage, look at those it's like, okay, out. yeah, I'm going to need to lay down for a little while, you know, or so. Um, so we got to, you know, keep that in mind that we're going to have some. So <laughs> there's going to be a. Uh, we are the road crew, you know, <laughs> yeah. they'll have to help us out. Like so. road crew, so. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I like I said, I don't think we'll, we're never going to get to you know the, the level of those Eagles Ooh, tribute bands yeah. and stuff, it'll never happen. Probably but, be doing a tour and just just went off shows here, and yeah. That, and then that's what that's just it, you know. I mean, we've got uh, other stuff that's going on too, you know, Kent's. You know, still playing with Bad Romeo, and Bad Romeo has mm-hmm. a pretty full schedule. So we're having, you know, we'll have, we'll have to book around Bad Romeo's schedule and stuff like that. So you know, I mean, it, it you know, Killed by Death is not going to be a you know like a big time touring band yeah. that's going to you know go out. You know, I mean, it, it would be nice to go out and get out of town and maybe do a, a few shows here and there. You know, so but um, we'll just kind of see, man. If nothing else, it's just fun to get up there and play Lemmy for a couple of hours oh, yeah, for me, yeah. man, and uh, dress up and crank the amp <laughs> up. And, you know, it's, it's been a good excuse to buy a bunch of cool gear, oh, yeah. you know, so <laughs> if nothing else. So. Uh, you have any shows booked now? Or? Well, I'm working on a couple right now. The only thing that I've got solid, and I don't really have a, um, a bunch of details on it yet, but I know that um, – the Haunted Pyramids, Haunted House, okay. yeah, yeah. Up, up there at Longdale, Tommy Cook's place, is going to be doing um, a couple of nights of music in October. Because yeah. uh, you know, we've got a, um, we've actually got a Friday the 13th in October. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, so that, I think it's going to be that weekend of Friday the 13th and everything. Tony's planning on putting some music together out mm-hmm. there and everything and having a couple of nights of live music. Those sticks put some stuff out there. I guess it's done. Fairly well for him to have. Yeah, he's had the Elzig out there, yeah. you know. The I wanted to go, and I think this past year there was something else going on that same night or something. Yeah. Be it. But I think he's got, uh, you know, and uh, don't hold me to all this, but I think he's got, you know, um, First Jason coming, you mm-hmm. know, Ari Lyman's band. That, that Ari was the yeah. first Jason that came. I, I think Stick also has a. a Acid Bath Tribute Band playing there sometime. I, I think I think there's a Acid Bath Tribute. I can't. I don't know who else playing, but I think there's going to be some good music out there because 
they get into, you know, they book stuff out there at the haunted house that just doesn't get booked anywhere else, well, man. I was going to say, so that, where, where exactly is that? It's in Lawndale, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's in Tony, this area. It's off of Tony Road. Well, one of the there. things I kind of want to talk about was there's this article that's going around on Facebook this week that talks about Shelby being the best city in North Carolina. Yeah, I read And, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to throw shade at Shelby because Shelby's a nice little town. Right. But one of the things I've noticed about Shelby is like, Heavier music just doesn't fly here. Like it's no, never, it, never really. It doesn't, and it it, 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 it just kind of kills me, man. Because um, I think I don't think it's not that it wouldn't do well. I just think it's not really given an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, there's because, people around here that like punk rock and like metal. And oh yeah. When I first got into punk rock as a teenager, you know, we met people from Shelby that were in oh, the punk rock, and there were there were bands in Shelby, but we didn't know much about them. Some of them weren't weren't, weren't around long. Yeah. Some of them were around while we were around, but it's like. They never really tend to make it over to a Charlotte. Right. And I'm hoping that maybe having the Rooster and Gastonia will fix some of that. Although yeah. I'm not sure That's how many Shelby bands there are. Although I do have y'all are playing with us when we play in March. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be bringing some Shelby to, to Gastonia. And yeah. So, see, yeah. I, I, would, I, would, I would love to um, get it. I mean, I think the Rooster's going to be a good thing because, like I said, bridge the gap yeah. between, you know, here in Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte's a, a nice little ride from Shelby. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Pretty nice ride for Kings Mountain too, but it's it's a little little bit further for Shelby. Right, exactly. And but but Shelby always has, man, because I can even remember back when I was in high school and stuff, and I was listening to so much punk and everything. And we had, you know, bands around here like you know Youthful Regularity, Mankind's Decline, and you know later on Green Man and mm-hmm. all those. You know, had a lot of good bands from around here that um, you know were more like. Shelby always had a little bit more of a you know hardcore punk. Yeah, you know, yeah, but it's it, it, it kind of. It's it's hidden. It's yeah. hidden. You don't really see it that much. And every time something happens in Shelby where those bands get to play, it always seems like it gets shut down pretty quick. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we I mean we had a um, really good metal show a couple of years ago with Don Gibson. Mm-hmm. You know, Air Force uh, oh, yeah, yeah. came in uh, from they were on uh, doing a US tour. They were over from um, England. And you know, Air Force, the drummer is Doug Sampson, that was the original yeah, drummer for Iron Maiden. And so Air Force came over and um, I was playing with Steel Heroes. Steel Heroes kind of, some of the guys went on to form Hammer Down that's still playing yeah. now, you know. Right? But it's, they're like a like a hard rock cover band. Yeah, yeah, they're, they became, yeah. But we were, uh, you know, we were a little bit more new wave of British heavy metal then. Yeah. You know, Steel Heroes was, you know, we were doing a lot of everything from Maiden, Priest, Halloween, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know. And we opened for um, Air Force at the Don Gibson. And um, it wasn't a sellout, but it was a well-attended show. Yeah. And then and everybody was on their good behavior. It wasn't like they went in and trashed the theater. Yeah. Which I think that's one of the misconceptions that a lot of people oh, have. Yeah, is that the... Yeah, you know, your uh, hard rock, heavy metal, punk crowd is going to come in and trash the place. Mm-hmm. And actually, in reality, most of them are in their mid fifties now. <laughs> well, I was saying, more, one of the more respectful crowds you'll, you'll find is exactly is the, the because punk rockers and the heavy metal guys, especially like you know, they'll they'll pick each other up, they'll bump, bump into each other and stuff, but. They're going to respect everything exactly. else for the most part. I mean, that's just it. You know, back in the day, getting in the pit wasn't one of those things where you feared for your life back then. It was more of a um, a good-natured aggression. Yeah, like yeah. you said, you know, if you if you hit somebody too hard or if you knocked them down or whatever, you helped them back up. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was not a uh, malicious type thing. It's still sort of the same way, I, although I see it a lot more these days being a little bit more 
Bob, it's a little be. more elbows now than it used to be. You know? and certain bands will bring those people out that really just don't care, and, and yeah. those are the crowds. I guess you can see where where that they give the rest of, the rest of yeah, a, bad name. a bad name. Yeah. So, but um, but no, I, I I would love to see Shelby do some more stuff. You know, at, kind of outside of its, um, you know, what it's kind of known for. I think that Shelby has, you know, and I can understand because of. The, you know, the history of the town and who we've got from this area and everything, mm-hmm. why Shelby has kind of promoted itself as a more, you know, bluegrass and country. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I understand that, but I think we're to the point now that if you're wanting to establish yourself as a music town, you need to you know, you need to diversify. Yeah, yeah. It's time to start branching out a little bit and it's time to become a little bit more inclusive and not shy away from stuff that, you know, they, that some of the people might not be familiar with or might not be, you know, completely comfortable with. Well, maybe know? a band like, like Yaller will help do that because, it's you know, there's established people here that are respected in the community in that band, um, you know, with uh, Galaxy and, and Jason Weinberger. Yeah. Um, they play punk rock, but they play it in kind of a fun way. Yeah, with exactly. With keyboards and saxophone. Yeah. And it's, I, I think, a little bit more, it'll be a little bit more acceptable for some audiences. Especially, like I said, there's people that are respected within the community. Already. Right, and especially that since they spun off from the dancing fleas yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, you know. And, it, and you know, the, the, the fleas always had a good following because it was a good time for whoever's there. Yeah, you know? exactly. You can bring little kids there; and they enjoy it. The older folks enjoy it. You know, it's 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 not anything where you're going to offend grandma mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's you know, it's, that's that's kind of how I feel about y'all. When I saw them, like this is like really wholesome punk rock. Right, because I mean, it's got the family vibe already. Right, exactly. So you know, and, and you know, maybe that will be a good kind of foot to put in the door to keep it from slamming. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. to make it find a place to play around here. Right, I'm sure and, can, and let some other people in. You know, yeah, that yeah. might not be as you know. Um, I don't want to sound like you know. I, I don't want to say artist friendly because I, that's not what I mean. But you know, but art. You know, the. the um, I know what you're trying to say. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say. You know, I mean, it, 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 it don't appeal to quite as a broad a cross section maybe as they. Do, I think you know? back. You know, it, it's been years since we tried to play a show with Shelby. But back when I was in my first couple of bands, uh-huh. you know, we booked a couple of shows with Shelby. One of them was at the Java Cellar. Yeah, yeah. But it was like right before you guys ended up having to shut down. It just didn't happen. Like I think well, I've got a flyer when I started working on it. And that was probably yeah. after Jim had bought it from us because, yeah, yeah because, you know, we sold it. And okay, then, so you sold it. They might have sold it before I even booked yeah, that show. Right. And then he, and then the guy that bought it from us ran it for a little while longer before it went down. Yeah, so, yeah. but that's the thing, you know, that's, that was one of the things that we tried to do with the Java seller. And when we had, you know, because we originally were just the coffee house, just that one little side. And then we rented the room next to us and cut the hole through the wall to, um, mm-hmm. to have the uh, music room over there where we had the little stage and everything. That was one of our things was to try to give some bands an opportunity to, to play that might not have otherwise yeah. gotten an opportunity to play. And it was the kind of thing that, I mean, we were a coffee house, you know, we would, a lot of times we'd leave at the end of the night and we'd made 50 bucks because mm-hmm. everything we sold was a dollar, yeah. you know. So it wasn't like we could afford to play ba- pay bands a lot of money or yeah. anything. But, you know, we could say, you know, you've got to, here's a venue, mm-hmm. come in and do your thing. You know, if you want to charge a cover at the door, you can have the cover, you know, yeah, whatever, right. you know. We'll try to do whatever we can within our limited means to, you know, give you a way to get over here and play to some people. And there are a lot of people that look back on the Java Seller days fondly, you yeah. know, because it was a period that for, you know, 
that age and the people that were coming up during that time, it was a place to go do stuff. And it was a place for live music that wasn't the shag bands. Yeah, and no, I came and like saw a couple that. shows there. It was always fun. It's, yeah. It was, and you talk about that not really being able to pay bands too well or anything. And I know people that are our age go, well, if you're not paying bands, that kind of sucks. But when you're a kid and you don't have a place to play in a small town. place to play at all. It don't matter whether you get paid or not. It's like, thank you for letting me play. So, you know, those places, those kind of places that did that, like what you did. Right. There's always been like small towns where somebody would kind of do that. And it might last for a year. Yeah. And then that, that's it. But during that year, you would have to bomb. Like, this is a place I can use to put some shows on. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, we tried to uh, have an played music for years, I at least tried to make the world well, well, if we're not going to be able to play and pay people a lot, we're at least going to be able to, you know, give them free drinks, give them free coffee and, yeah, you know, yeah. hospitality. <laughs> and then, you know, we tried to have a little PA there to where people didn't, you know, that some of these smaller acts that came in and stuff that didn't have PA yeah. or didn't want to have to drag it with them or something. There was at least a little PA there for them and some lights and stuff yeah. like that. You know, you try to at least put enough stuff there to make it to where it's not quite such a hassle for them to come in. Mm-hmm. And so you try to make life a little bit easier and, uh, you know, and maybe that offsets some of the, you know, well, we're not going to really make as much tonight. Thing, yeah. you know. And then, you know, the, the, the one thing we had to keep in mind, too, with the Java seller was, you know, we didn't have any bar sales. We didn't have any alcohol yeah. sales, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, so, um, you know, like I said, we were selling dollar cups of coffee and Snapples. And people would, you know, buy a Snapple and nurse that thing yeah. all night, man, and spend a dollar, you know. And so, you know, I mean, honestly, we would go down there sometimes and we would stay down there for eight or ten hours and we'd do the drawer at the end of the night and we'd made 60 bucks, you know. So, I mean, it was like, you know, uh, it, but it was a great time, man. Yeah. We did have a good time, man. We made a lot of really good friends, you know, doing that. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, Shelby, nice little town. I don't know if it's the best town in North Carolina or not. I, I don't either, you know. I mean, I, I think, but Shelby, has, you know, Shelby does have a lot of potential. It does. And, like, I mean, even, like, I'm just riding through town, and I'm thinking, man, it'd just be nice if their antique stores were open on Sundays like everywhere else. I know. <laughs> and, see, I think, I think Shelby is headed in the, you know, everybody goes, oh, we're in Little Asheville. Well, no, you're not. You I, know? Yeah, I mean, I've heard that. There's two people that haven't been to Asheville in a while, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, yeah, you're not a little, you would freak out if you were a Little Asheville. Maybe, maybe, maybe like the one little square downtown resembles yeah. part of Asheville. For, it, it, it's, it's part, but it, even it's not West Asheville and stuff like that, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, if, I'm sorry, but if the crowd from Fleetwoods all of a sudden came out here and shoved it, they'd freak out because yeah. they go, oh my God, where do these people come from? What are they, you know, and everything, you know. And whereas the, to me, that's the beauty of Asheville is that there's such a diverse oh, yeah. cross section yeah. of people and that you, it's, it's the, just the people being themselves is the color of the town to me, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I, and I love that. Shelby's still got a little ways to go. Ways to go, but I like it a little better now than I did when I was in high school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By far. <laughs> I mean, Shelby is all right, but but once I found Shaw, I was like, screw Shelby. Like, yeah. <laughs> even, even Gastonia was a little bit better than Shelby. And now these, now these days, I I still spend more time in Gastonia, but I think Shelby's a nicer town. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, there's a lot of plans for the town that are, that are going to help. You know, I mean, this whole little Greenway Trail thing that they just got started working on. Get the bypass bill just to get some of the traffic out of here would be yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with really the, the town itself other than it just sucks driving through Shelby sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah Especially always, when you get around that Walmart. It's, oh, it's, yeah, it's always been there. awful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I need to figure out more about it. I, I just, uh, honestly, man, I, <laughs> I, I've been working so much lately, you know, just to pay the bills. 
that um, I, I, ha- I haven't investigated. You know, I know Shelby's doing this um, some kind of music town initiative thingy. You know mm-hmm. that I that I really need to find more about and get involved with. I guess, but um, I just haven't had time. I just haven't done it. I need to, uh, I guess, be a little bit more proactive in trying to. You know, see what I might be able to do to help out with you know fostering a better musical scene. I saw, here. I saw there's something on the Shelby Star about there, there's they're trying to build a musician database for things. Yeah, like yeah, and I, and I'm see, not, I still haven't quite figured out what that's all about. And I went to go put my information in. I'm like, well, my band's from Gastonia, so I can't really. Yeah, you know, I'm not a solo artist. See, my band's from Gastonia. I live in Cleveland County, but yeah, and see, that's one thing I've got to do, man, because I I always go, oh yeah, I need to go fill that thing out. And then, you know, but I also need to pay my insurance that's late right. and all this stuff. You know, there's a lot of stuff I need to do, but, you know, it's just like, oh, you come home from work, you're exhausted, you still got to cook dinner and, you know, this and that and the other. And, you know, life gets in the way, you know, yeah. and that, you know, that's what's, you know. That's well, what's um, you have recently played in Shelby, and that's the last time I saw you play. Yeah, yeah. And that was with Otis Shelby. Uh, sort of, yeah, uh, we did the little. Not really a, an animal bag reunion, but it was like a half bag. Or yeah. I think that's what Otis likes to call it. Yeah, the half bag. bag yeah. <laughs> and, um, now, you know, um, and honestly, you know, that's the first time Otis and I have gotten together and done a bunch of animal bag tunes and stuff since Animal Bag, pretty much. Like and Animal Bag never even. Maybe that last Tree Much show, but. Yeah, well, yeah, we played a couple of tunes there, you know. Yeah. But as far as getting together and really doing just animal, you know, just a bunch of animal bang stuff like that, uh, you know, we've never really done that. You know, we've never really thought. I mean, Odyssey, you know, I mean, animal bag never even really formally called it quits. Yeah. We just kind of just went on an indefinite hiatus, you know. But then uh, when Boo passed and then later on when Rich passed, it was kind of like, you know, what's done now, you yeah. know, because, I mean, there, there was there's just no way that that band could ever be what it was without Boo and Rich. Yeah. I, mean, I, I still that, want to get you and Otis together at some point and yeah. sort of do a, you know, an animal bag episode where, where we kind of pay more tribute to Boo and Rich and talk yeah. a little bit more about the stories of things that happened back then. Oh, there's time. So we'll still get around yeah. to that. We don't have time for that. Oh, yeah, that's that time for that episode unto <laughs> itself, yeah. But, you know, I mean, honestly, man, you know, I mean, we, if it was left to me and Otis, we probably never would have gotten together and done that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, you know, Stick Elliott, he kind of... Um, Put you know, put Super the bug. Man. Yeah, he put put the bug in us for that one. He you know, he hit something. It's like, man, you know, would you guys be interested? And and you know, so I talked to Otis, and we we're like, oh, oh, sure, let's you know. And you know, we agreed to do it. And then uh, then you know, after the fact, when we actually started working on trying to do the stuff, we realized what we had agreed to do was going to be really hard. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> you know, I never you know, I mean, Rich played. 90% of the guitar stuff. Yeah. I played a little bit of guitar on mm-hmm. some stuff, but not, you know, not anything, you know, not on the songs that people were really wanting to hear. Yeah. You know? And um, so it was like, oh, God, man, I got to figure out Rich's guitar parts, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, Rich is just way beyond my level as far as a guitarist. You and know? there's probably no tab out there for, for that. Those songs. Oh, no. <laughs> and and, and I, I suck at that stuff anyway, man. I just have to sit down with the record and figure it yeah, out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And so, you know, and basically, you know, and not only do I have to figure out Rich's guitar parts, but I've got to do an acoustic adaptation that's going to work for two instruments, you know. And so there was a lot more to it than we really thought about when we agreed to doing it. 
And then Otis, you know, was like, you know, he hit me up at some point during this. He was sitting there, you know, going over all the stuff. And he's like, you know, because, you know, several years ago, you know, Otis had a stroke. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't you know? remember. And he stuff. see, and he had to rebound from that, you know, and kind of get his chops back and everything else. Yeah, you know, that's um, that's one, you know. He, and and then Otis has been playing guitar, you know, a lot since Animal Bag. He kind of got away from playing so much bass, and he was playing guitar with most of his bands that he was playing with. And so he, you know, it's like man, <laughs> he's like. Some of these songs, he said, they're just not even, he said, normally if I get to play a bass and kind of get back in the groove of things, you know, it'll all come back to me. He said, some of the stuff's not coming back. I'm just have to kind of learn them like learning a cover. Yeah, you know? that's what I was talking, that's what he's telling me one day. He's like, it's yeah. like I just can't remember. He said, he songs, said, you like, know, he said, he said, he said, occasionally there are little things I run into since the stroke that just kind of left you. Yeah. You know, he said, and they just didn't come back. And he said, you know, not everything, not everything left me. He said, but there's just parts of some of these songs that I'm just having to go through and learn them, you know. And he's like, you know, that learning some of the stuff we wrote was, is a little bit challenging. Yeah, I said, tell me about it. I'm having to learn Rich's guitar parts, you know. So, so you know, we were able to put together uh, enough stuff to do the show. That was that was probably about the limit of what we could do as a two piece. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure there were people that came to hear everybody. But I'm sorry, I just can't play yeah, was, everybody. And, you know, I, I was kind of expecting to hear it, but I, and when you were done, I was like, oh, they didn't play everybody. Yeah, but I, I figured there there were reasons for it. Not, oh yeah, not just then, because it was the one everybody. And then trying to change ever, yeah, you know, it, that song has such a kind of a funk base to yeah, it yeah. that without the drums and without the and all an acoustic guitar, it just didn't sound right, you know, yeah, yeah. and. Um, I mean, there's probably some kind of drastic overhaul we could have done on that song and basically rewrote an acoustic version of it. It's not your time to do that. I know, and and with trying to learn the other stuff and everything, it was just like, you know, I'm sitting here trying to learn oddball and stuff, you know, and I'm like, good Lord, you know, it's it's a lot harder than I thought it would be, you know, so... Uh, so, you know, there was some stuff that, you know, we, we were like, well, if we get Cosmo and Mirrored Shades, maybe they'll be forgiving of not doing everybody, yeah. you know, <laughs> so that's kind of where we it was, had to it leave. It was a good show. There, there was packed. There were a lot of people. Oh, yeah, there. it was packed, man. And honestly, man, I have as much fun talking about the stories and what yeah. went on <laughs> during that time. and Because, you know, man, it, it's like there's been so much time between when all that happened and mm-hmm. now that you think back on it and it's almost like it's almost like it didn't even happen to you. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're an outside observer watching. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've noticed that about things I think about from, from my past. Right, I yeah. Just don't even seem, that was so long ago. It doesn't even seem like it was in it my It doesn't even seem real. Like, yeah. And it's like, and, that, and then when all the animal bag stuff and the record deal stuff and the being on the road and everything else, when all that was happening, it was happening so fast and it was so new and it was, you're just kind of rolling with it, you know, and you're not, but when you go back now and look back on it and you look at what all happened and you actually start talking about what happened and what you did and everything, it, it's like, wow, a lot of really still cool stuff happened to us. Yeah. And I think we took a lot of it for granted while it was happening because we were just having to deal with the mechanics of making it happen, you know, of being on the road, of playing the shows, of recording the album, of, you know, this and that and the other. There was stuff that just had to be done. And you weren't really thinking about 
I mean, you were, but you, you know, it, it's like maybe the gravity of how cool it was and how lucky you were and how hard you worked to get to the point that to that point. Mm-hmm. I don't think the reality of that had really set in at that point. I think it takes all that time and being able to look back on it retrospectively mm-hmm. before you start really realizing, you know, how cool it was and what an accomplishment it was yeah. and, you know, how many cool people you met along the way and cool experiences you had and how, what a great way it was to spend your, like, 20s and, you know, yeah, stuff it was like just that. Like, I talk about anything like that. Like, it, it, the older you get, the more you appreciate it and the more you even appreciate the stuff you got to do in the past. Right. But at the moment, you're like, oh, this is really cool, but you're not really, like, being able to reflect on it yeah. kind of puts it in a new light, I guess, is right. what I'm saying. Uh, but, you know, and, and I look back on that, and it seemed like, you know, there was so much going on, and it seemed like such a long, you know, period of my life and such an important period of my life. And I think back back about on it, and I said, everything from the time I met Boo to the time everything was over mm-hmm. was maybe six years. Yeah. You know, the whole thing, the whole ride from learning my first Animal Bag tune to recording the albums and touring and everything mm-hmm. to the end of Animal Bag, you know, when you know when we pretty much stopped, you know, playing together and stuff. I said that all happened in the span of like six years. Yeah, and you know, that, that seems like a long time for some people because some people get in bands and they're only in bands for like a year. To, yeah, and then they're on to the next one. But that's really just a, a blink, you're dropping a bucket when you think about you know over fifty I, years of life. You know, uh, yeah, exactly. And when you think about how much stuff was crammed into that fifty years between all the shows you played, the being on the road, the recording all the albums, mm-hmm. to you know even recording like the demo tapes, like you know you, you know and stuff like that, you know to begin it all. It's just you know it's um it, it's just hard to believe that that volume of cool stuff happened in the span of six years, you know, you know, because now I go through six years now, you know, it just seems like I did nothing but, you know, work and make house payments and, you know, stuff. I guess, you know, that, that, you know I mean, that life takes hold. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you just have to kind of deal with the older you get and everything that uh, ends up crowding some of the fun out of your life, you know, and it sucks. You think, you know, well, you know, I could probably still be doing cool stuff like that if I didn't have to go to work every day, you know, and so, you know, but you deal with it, you know, and so on that, you know, and that's why it's so fun to do stuff like, you know, this motorhead band and stuff like that, where it's just doing it purely for the fun and doing it, not, you know, worrying about the, you know, making a fortune doing it and not worried, you know, we're not worried about getting a record deal. We're not worried about, you know, we're just And that's really the beauty of playing at this age is you don't really have to worry about anything. It's It's like, we're doing it for fun. If if something happens along the way, I might be open to it. Yeah. I might not. I'm just I'm just having fun doing this. Exactly. So. Yeah. At this point, man, and, and I find this out from talking to other people like you and other musicians that are our age that have been doing this for over right. half the, their life oh, now, yeah. you know, is that if you're still doing it at this point in your life, if you haven't just, you know, turn to the one little acoustic guitar that sits behind the couch yeah. for yeah. every now and then when you want to play, you know, you know, if you're still doing it on the level that we're all doing it to where you've got half your house dedicated to gear yeah. and stuff like that, you're doing it because, on it. 
right. regular practice schedule. And, and, and <laughs> choosing what car you buy, like, yes. whether it can all be here, <laughs> and stuff like that. If you're still doing all that, then you're doing it because you love doing yeah. it. You're doing it for the right reason. That's exactly because what I was saying. That's, that's the right reason to do it, too. It, it, by this point, the it, it's not easy to do. It takes a lot of what could be your free time. It takes a lot of your money. Mm-hmm. It takes, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it would be real easy for it to be a hindrance and give it up. Well, and for it, a lot of people, all it, the things you just mentioned would be a reason to not even bother. Not with. even bother anymore. It just sounds like a lot of work. And a lot of people that just go to shows and the playing bands don't realize how much of that we put into And how much of that we on time. Exactly. we're giving up. Other, I mean, we're scheduling our lives around practices and shows and stuff. Exactly. You know, and they don't realize that it doesn't matter how old you get or what level you're playing on. That stuff never goes away. Yeah. The having to practice, having to get your gear to the show, having to play the show, having to go home at four in the morning, having to, you know, I mean, all that stuff. Having to deal with other band members sometimes. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and just, you know, the, you know, all that never changes. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're making money, not making money. Doesn't matter whether you're 20 year old or 20 years old or 60 years old. That's part of it never changes. That's always going to be, there's always going to be all this stuff that you have to do yeah, to like be a, able to get up on stage for an hour and play to some people. It's like a volunteer, a voluntary family you take on as well. Too, yeah. Because your band is basically like another family where you have to worry about, oh, exactly. worry about everything. So it's like, you know, a lot of people would just be like, I don't want to do it for that reason. Right. <laughs> and, 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 you're get, and you're building your whole life around being able to just get on stage for that little bit of time mm-hmm. and play in front of some people. 30, 30 minutes, an hour at a time, yeah. every, every month or so. You know, and, you know exactly. <laughs> and that, to me, that that's, it's, you know, not only are you doing it out of the love for doing it, it is some kind of an addiction. Yeah, man. It is. It, it, it's every bit as bad as a drug. Everybody says... I, I needed to live, and that's, that's yeah. an addiction right there. It's, like, it's, I couldn't live without doing this. This is a yeah, part of my life. And I'll give up my money, and I'll give up my time, and I'll give up my you know creature comforts, and you know the you know lifestyles and stuff. I'll give up all that to be able to do this, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, you know it is. It's an addiction, and it's something that if at this point in your life, you know you're still doing it. It's doing it because you got to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, you don't really have a choice in the matter at that point, you know, to, if you're going to be happy. Trust you know? Me, I know plenty of people that have done it in the past that had a great time doing it, that gave it up years ago. I know people now our age that are still deciding to give it up because for yeah. one reason or another, dealing with crappy band members or, or just it's too much work. Or, and, you know, and then I, you know, at some point, maybe you finally do, you know, hit that point where you just yeah. go, look, you know, I've got, some health issues and I've got, you know, I just can't, you know, I've got arthritis in my hands and I can't just can't play like I used to. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to be a shadow of my former self and stuff, you know, and maybe, you know, and I can understand, you know, just through going through the vocal things that I've gone through, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't, you know, after years and years of doing this and, you know, perfecting, or not perfecting, but re- refining mm-hmm. your craft and all that stuff, you know, trying to get as good as you can, you don't 
you don't really want to get up there and publicize the decline. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you don't want to get up there and be, you know, the, the shadow of yourself where everybody listens to the show yeah. going, yeah, man, he used to be really good, you know, and stuff like that, you know. And, you mean, know, you know talking, I'm happy he's still out there doing it, but I feel like he's not doing it for the right reasons anymore. He's doing it for the money. Right, you know, so, you know, and, um, uh, you know, and you, you hear it with a lot of these bands now that people go, oh, it's time for them to hang it up, you know, and, you know, it, but sometimes it's hard to hang it up, you know, especially for these people like, you know, people can say what they want about Ozzy or Paul Stanley all or, they you know, know, that's all they know. That's all they know. It's like done. somebody getting out of prison and going to commit a crime and go back to prison because it's all, because they, it's know. all they know. Yeah, exactly. You, you got to realize that, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of the people that say that are the ones that don't really realize how much playing music does overlap into every other aspect of your life. You know, and especially when you get to that level and, you know, not only do they have to rehearse and do the albums and play the shows and stuff, they're used to doing the interviews. Mm-hmm. They're used to doing the personal appearances. They're used to, you know, so, I mean, when they hang it up, it's All like right, you're right. hanging your whole <laughs> life up. It's like, what am I going to do now, you know? And you just feel lost, you know, and uh, I can understand. It's like an addiction. It's like people that give up alcohol and all of a sudden they think, man, what? Life is boring now. Yeah. They they got to find a new way to enjoy life. But but it's it's, it's, it's something you've given up because you've done it your whole life and and now it's kind of hard to just give it up. Yeah. That's like I see so many people that, you know, the way they're able to overcome a drug addiction or anything is by completely immersing themselves in something else. Like, you know, I I get into, you know, some kind of art or craft or I get into, you know, hiking and fitness and outdoor stuff or I get in, whoops, sorry, (laughs) or I get into, you know, I mean, you know, even, you know, immersing themselves, whether it's religion, whether it's, you know, I mean, they completely become immersed in something else because you've got to have something to fill that time, you know, and it's the same way with music, man. My best friends right now trying to quit drinking. It's like, man, you need a hobby. Yeah, you can't can't, can't quit drinking and then just still sit around the house all the time because you're just going to end up drinking again. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and that's why I can understand why some of these people it's so hard for them to finally call it quits, even when they know that they're not, you know, doing it as well as they used to. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, what am I going to do? Well, I'm of the belief that as long as you can do it, do it. Even if you can't do it, great. Just do it as long. Just do it and have a good time doing it. Right, and, and see, that's what I'm trying to do now. Is like I'm maybe modify it. how you do it. Right to fit your is to, to to figure out where you are and be realistic with where you are in your capabilities, mm-hmm. and go, okay, well, what can I do within my current capabilities to deliver a you know a good show, you know, and and. Um, and there's a way to do it, you know, because like I said, I, you know, it, it, vocally and stuff, I mean, there's parts of my voice that I'm sure are never coming back. Like, you know, somebody put a gun in my head and said, sing falsetto. You know, they just have to shoot me. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I can't falsetto. That ship has sailed and it ain't coming back. I used you know? to be good at that. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, as far as all that stuff, you know, I'm not going to be doing the, you know, the 80s metal stuff, you know, that ain't going to happen, you know, but, um, you know, so you, you just got to be realistic in what you're still capable of doing. That's like, I think David Lee Roth is a good example of that. The stuff he's doing these days is way different than Van Halen stuff, but he finally realized he's got limitations. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the stuff he put out, it's not really for me. I mean, it's country-ish and it's okay. And some of it's a little different than that. But, 
and I, I'm sure a lot of his fans are just like, man, whatever. That's that's that stuff's whack. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. He's still doing something, and he's realized he needs to work within his limitations. And I'd rather see him do that than to keep going out and trying to be David Lee Roth from Van Halen. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll, there, there's I'd a lot. I'd love to see that again, but. I saw him in 2007, I think, that first reunion tour. Yeah. And it was good, but you could tell it was a lot different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, and that's the whole thing. You know, you get into a situation where people will want to compare you to what you used to be, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and and then I think, it, you know, it's hard. You know, you've got some people like, you know, that have had serious vocal problems that they've had to come back from. And they've had to redo a lot of stuff with, you know, like I think um, – you know, Tom Keeper from Cinderella mm-hmm. and some of these people that had some, you know, yeah. serious, and they had to kind of completely change a lot of the way they were, you know, doing things to to the point that, yeah, it, you know, sometimes it doesn't even sound like the same, you know, person. Oh, yeah. I can't see how anybody could sing like Tom Keeper for 30 years. No, no, no. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, but he's kept going and he's, you know, kind of reinvented himself mm-hmm. as more of a blues type, you know, artist, yeah. which wasn't a far cry from no, what he was yeah. with Cinderella anyway, you know. Yeah, they had a lot of blues influence. Right, exactly. So, you know, I think you just say, you know, I think that's a good example of being re- realistic with your capabilities and saying, okay, well, what can I do now? What kind of music can I do? What can I write? What can, you know, how can I take my, you know, and, it, you know, even the point, I think this is something that even people like Don Dockin and stuff are having to, you know, face the reality of mm-hmm. is that he's never going to be 80s Don Dockin again, yeah, yeah. you know. And I know that's hard to get let go of, especially when that was your claim to fame is that you were one of the greats, uh, great vocalists yeah, yeah. of that genre of music, you know. And when all of a sudden you're not capable of being one of the greats anymore, well, you know, how do you reinvent yourself and not feel like you've stepped down. You know, it just all comes down to, man, if you want to keep doing it, you'll figure out a oh, way. Yeah, you'll you'll find a way. way. I mean, yeah. I've thought about, you know, ridiculous scenarios of what would I do if, so I, you know I'm always going to find a way to do it. Oh, yeah. That's like <laughs> I always thought, you know, well, you know, you, you, you know, you lose your left hand. Well, you, you, go, or you go to playing like, uh, you know, Dobro, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I thought the, the left hand thing. slide on like, my stump and go at it, you know. Yeah, so. right. Well, if nothing else, I just become a singer at that point. <laughs> right. And see, that's my thing is, well, you know, even if I completely lose the ability to sing, well, then maybe I need to, you know, sit here and immerse myself more on my guitar and bass and just you yeah. know become even better on those you know because that's the thing about having always been um, a vocalist slash either guitarist or bassist or whatever you know I've always kind of done played something and sang except for the animal bag years you know um, ever since then I've always you know played an instrument and sang yeah. and I feel like you know you're, di- you're you're dividing your attention between two things so I don't ever feel like I was doing either one of them as good as I could. You know, I feel, you know, the vocal performance suffers a little bit because you're having, part of your brain's having to play the guitar. And same thing with the guitar. Your guitar's abilities suffer a little bit because you have to concentrate on singing. There are very few people with the four brains like Getty Lee that can play, you know, Taurus pedals and keyboard and bass and sing and do it all at the same time. You know, it's just, you guys are freak, you know. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. you know. Um, But, you know, Always find a way to do it. Listen, yeah. I think this is a pretty good place to wrap it up. We're about right. an hour. I don't want my battery to completely die. I'm, I'm glad it's lasting <laughs> the whole time. I was worried about that. Yeah, but um, I guess people can find Killed by Death on Facebook. Well, we've got on, yeah, on, we're on, on Facebook. 
Yeah, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we've even got a killbydeath.com, but nobody okay. ever goes there. So. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a guy, a guy behind.com that's getting ready to go away after this month because I'm nobody ever goes there. Yeah, it's, just, not, it's not necessary to, for the podcast. Yeah, I just leave it there so that, you know, it, I can, you know, have a simple platform I can send it to that can get people can get to my yeah. Instagram, like Facebook, stuff like eventually that. Eventually you know? do that, like that with the band. But yeah. Depending on what band is going at the time or whatever, but we'll just we'll I'll get, I, uh, it's, it's something that seems less and less important these days I guess right and I'll probably you know I'll, I'll probably get it once we kind of get a little bit more rolling with the kill by death thing and all that stuff I'll probably uh, get a little bit more involved with the website but for right now honestly our Facebook and our Instagram are the best place to Good. see what's going on with us and stuff sweet well thank you man I appreciate it thanks man appreciate it we'll, uh, we'll do that with the, with the- this has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production.